0: And this is One Strange Thing, the show where we search the nation's news archives for stories that can't quite be explained. The famous tale of Robin Hood is just inherently appealing. Sure, he robs the rich and gives to the poor, but... It's not just any rich and not just any poor. He steals from the rich who have usurped a kingdom not rightfully theirs. After those rich had levied unfair taxes on the citizens, driving them into poverty, it's a fundamental kind of unfairness, a wrong that must be righted. One that most anyone, no matter their political leanings, might appreciate. So, throughout modern pop culture, it makes sense that the story of Robin Hood is one we often revisit. It also helps that Disney cast the famous character as a very charming fox and threw in some requisite musical numbers. A good cartoon will always cement your popularity. A Kevin Costner film with bad acting? Maybe less so. But back to the topic at hand. We tend to like an anti-hero as long as he's not too bad. A rogue with a heart of gold, a rake with a fine-tuned sense of fairness who, despite his fondness for mischief, might sweep in and enact a little vigilante justice every now and again. It's why so many newspapers will describe a certain type of criminal as a Robin Hood. For instance, in late 2020, Forbes reported that a hacker collective, Darkside, had stolen and then attempted to donate, quote, 200000 in Bitcoin to The Water Project and Children International, both of which are charities. According to Forbes, neither organization planned to keep the money. The hackers, who were being pursued by a number of authorities at press time, issued a statement, quote, we think that it's fair that some of the money the companies have paid will go to charity. No matter how bad you think our work is, we're pleased to know that we help change someone's life. There are plenty of other stories, like in the town of Nakaholano in Hokkaido Prefecture in Japan. News Channel Sora24 reported that a local man was arrested after he, quote, stole a front-end loader for the purpose of clearing snow in his area. He cleaned up his entire neighborhood with the purloined equipment and earned the nickname Robin Hood along the way. Everyone in town praised him as a hero, except perhaps the owner of the heavy equipment, who was probably less than thrilled. And here's another one for you. There's a Canadian man, Cody Bonderchuk, who took to Twitter in December of 2019 to admit to some retroactive Robin Hooding. According to the Globe and Mail, Cody spent his teenage years working at McDonald's and participating in a very specific form of corporate, maybe even capitalist, rebellion. Every time a customer placed an order for a 10-piece McNuggets, Cody, he would slip an 11th nugget into the box. Cody's tweet went viral and Twitter was ecstatic. Per the Globe and Mail, he was hailed as everything from a real American hero, though the paper reminds us here that he is Canadian, to Saint Nuggets, Mr. Extra Nugget Giving Man, the Extra Nugget Angel, and, most important to our story, the McNugget Robin Hood, or the Robin Hood of Nugs. The Globe and Mail wrote, There were those who blessed him, wished him good karma, thanked him for his service, and told him he'd restored their faith in humanity. And that's not all. His tweet opened the fast food floodgates. All the anonymous Robin Hoods out there who decided to gift their customers a little something extra. A hidden onion ring tucked in a fry box like a prize. That elusive extra strip of bacon. Guac at no extra charge. As the Globe and Mail pointed out, Cody did have his naysayers, those who called him, quote, a socialist, a communist, an anarchist, and a rebel. In fact, they said that he could actually bring down the corporate infrastructure by giving away things for free. One franchise owner even went so far as to call for his arrest. But Cody didn't seem too concerned. After all, it was in his past. And that's not surprising. That's the thing about the lovable rogue archetype. Consequences are weighed against reward and reward usually wins out. Most Robin Hoods seem to have a clear sense of injustice and a clear goal in mind. But that's the weird thing about our story today. Down in Melbourne, Florida, back in 1976, one particular Robin Hood went a little roguer than usual. Melbourne is on what's called the Space Coast, which, if you're not from Florida, probably sounds pretty far out. What it means in practical terms is that it's close to Kennedy Space Center and NASA, where rockets are launched into the deep unknown. It's a place that practically invites the biggest mysteries, the most complex questions so perhaps it was a bit of a letdown for the local police when they found themselves completely befuddled by someone who was stealing bread it starts like this in january of 1976 it would be fair to say that many living in melbourne florida had been having a rough time many in the united states had been the ripples of the mid-70s depression would keep coming for a while And in Melbourne, which was, as you probably guessed, named for a much more famous city down under, things were even worse. According to the Atlanta Constitution, Brevard County, where the, quote, Moonport was located, had the highest unemployment numbers in the state. Perhaps that's what inspired someone to start stealing bread. But a story of simple shoplifting wouldn't have made national news. And this string of crimes in Melbourne certainly did. Per the Tampa Tribune, in early January of 1976, someone robbed the Melbourne Winn-Dixie of roughly 100 loaves of bread. At the nearby Publix, presumably that same someone stole, quote, an unknown quantity of vegetables. The Fort Lauderdale News reported that the thief managed this by ransacking grocery deliveries, The Fort Lauderdale News reported that the thief managed this by ransacking early morning grocery deliveries. That is, grocery boxes dropped off by vans or trucks outside the store. Whoever this thief might be, they'd managed to nab quite the bounty. Per the Daily Tribune, the total loaves of bread stolen that day would later be amended to 171, which is worth about $780 in today's money there never was a clear count on the vegetables. But eventually, the local police captain did have some good news. Quote, We've recovered some carrots, Captain Jack Adams told the Tampa Tribune. He continued, I don't know what kind of motive anyone would have. But as the week wore on, that motive became increasingly clear. Weird, but clear. You see... Someone had turned the Florida town into Sherwood Forest and was enacting some good, old-fashioned redistribution of wealth. William Coombs, a Melbourne resident, woke up the next day to a strange sight. As he told a UPI reporter, he'd opened his front door and, quote, I was stepping all over bread. He estimated there were more than a dozen loaves on his porch. All over town, people were having similar experiences. Per the Fort Lauderdale News, an unnamed housewife had awoken on January 7th, worried about what to make her husband for lunch. She didn't have any bread for a sandwich. So you can imagine her delight when she discovered a loaf conveniently sitting on her porch. In the same article, another local woman, Bonnie Foster, told reporters that everyone in her neighborhood had received a loaf. I thought it was funny, she said. It's unclear why William Coombs, in particular, received so many loaves. He was also on the receiving end of a phone call that came later in the day to offer a bit of explanation. When he answered the phone, there was an unfamiliar male voice on the other end. Per the Daily Colonist, this is what he heard. This is Robin Hood. I'm stealing from the rich to give to the poor. There will be plenty more. According to the Constitution, Coombe seemed just as confused as everyone else. We're not exactly poor, but we're not rich either, he said. Still, it seems he was a sensible man. He told a UPI reporter that he and his family had already begun eating the bread. And there was some variety that morning. Another UPI article reported that Coombe's aunt who lived just a few streets over was dealing with a porch covered in surprise radishes. Looking for creepy stories? Then we might have a podcast for you. And now, presenting Rattled and Shook. (laughs) Rattled and Shook is a weekly podcast that features new scary stories every episode, kind of like this... I would hear her say things to me inside my head. I couldn't get around him. I was trapped. The other guy started to get pretty agitated. He grabbed my grandfather's oxygen hose and he cut off his oxygen. Then I started thinking, well, you know, who would be hanging around in this nowhere forest, in this nowhere area? And that's when I started looking more closely. And that's when I noticed there were Several shapes, and they were slowly working their way toward me as they were moving from tree to tree. New episodes of Rattled and Shook are out every Thursday. Listen for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Robin Hood, whoever that might be, struck again later that week. Some residents simply ate the groceries with a kind of bemused acceptance, others called the cops. And the cops, they weren't happy. Neither were the grocers. They were continuing to lose stock and money, and the police were driving back and forth across town, collecting sack after sack of bread as evidence. Per the colonist, the loaves were mostly white, though a variety had appeared throughout the town. Captain Adams told reporters, We now have eight loaves of white and two of pumpernickel in the refrigerator at the station. To be clear, Captain Adams did not seem pleased with this bounty, but reporters certainly were. UPI in particular relished describing Adams as, quote, not amused to be cast in the role of the Sheriff of Nottingham, as he threatened the culprit would be, quote, charged with grand larceny. Perhaps Robin Hood took that as a challenge. Though his deliveries had, quote, somewhat tapered off by the 21st of January, Florida Day reported that he'd found the time to leave a special message for the local police. According to the day, staff had arrived at the station that morning to discover a bag of hamburger buns dangling from the front door. The bread and the bag had been pierced by a single arrow. This time, it was Chief of Police Bob Cotron who spoke with reporters. And based on his comments, he was in an even worse mood than Captain Jack Adams. Per the Florida Day, Chief Cotron said, quote, A lot of people think it's funny, but he stole $189 worth of bread from one of those stores. I guarantee he's going to go to jail like any other thief. The day asked if Melbourne police had any suspects, to which Cotron would only say several. When asked how old he thought the rogue might be, his answer was simply old enough to know better. After late January of 1976, reporting on the Bread Bandit or the Robin Hood of the Space Coast died down. As far as we can tell, Melbourne police never tracked him down. And that would have been that, except for one strange thing. Almost two years later, Robin would make a reappearance in another Florida town. In November of 1977, the Tampa Tribune ran the following headline, Robin Hood is back in Plant City. According to the article... Residents on East Tomlin Street woke up to find bread on their porches, plastered with notes proclaiming, Robin Hood is back. Robin Hood's first delivery to Plant City was pretty limited hot dog buns, hamburger buns, white bread. There was not a single vegetable in sight. And rather than hit the whole town, Robin had just covered a block. The Tampa Tribune managed to get a quote from a bread recipient for a second, longer follow-up article. In it, they spoke with an absolutely apathetic teenager named Donna Friend, who seemed not in the least bit interested when, quote, I went out the door for school at 6.30 or 7 a.m. and a loaf of bread was on our porch. All of this was, well, odd. It seemed like a lot of pomp and circumstance for a relatively small follow up. And why Plant City? It's a distance of nearly two hours inland, almost to Tampa. Why would Robin Hood of the Space Coast wait two years, travel 120 miles, and scatter a scarce number of loaves and buns on a single block? After all, we're talking about stylish, roguish anti heroes. Isn't it always best to go out with a bang and not a whimper? In Melbourne, Robin Hood had pulled off several robberies, elaborate pranks, and shot an arrow into a police station. Pretty badass if you're the kind of person who goes for arrow shot into things. He could have stopped there and gone out on top. But instead, he scatters a couple of bags of buns for Donna, I've seen better, friend? it doesn't feel right. There's not even a mention of a grocery store missing any stock. Maybe Robin just went and bought it all and doled it out the more traditional way. Maybe he was trying to recapture the thrill or bait a new police force that didn't bite. Or maybe it was a copycat who just didn't have the same style. Whatever the case, after that day, Robin Hood of the Space Coast seems to have stopped his deliveries. Maybe he found other ways to subvert the system. Maybe he just settled in for the long ride of the 1980s and hoped that by some trick, there would simply be enough bread for everyone. We hope you'll join us next time for another real-life story from the fine print of America's local papers. From the lives of regular people, just like you and me, except for one strange thing. Oh, and strangers. One Strange Thing is an entirely independent production. To support the show, and to hear more of the entirely true and enticingly peculiar, join us over on Patreon. There you'll get ad-free early releases of our regular episodes, a full-length bonus episode every month, and plenty of other fun content. We hope you'll check it out. Please stay tuned for a moment to hear a promo from one of our favorite shows. We hope you'll give them a listen. Hey guys, Melissa for Moms and Murder here, inviting you to check out my new show, Criminality, where I'll be taking a look at crime and reality TV with my co-host, Rebecca Sebastian. Hi friends, I'm Rebecca, host of Dialogue, A True Crime Conversation. Face it, we all love to hate reality TV because what's better than escaping your dumpster fire of a life than watching someone else's? Join us as we discuss everything from a tea mom with feathers in her hair, to a 90-day fiance who enjoys a box of matches, and we may just call Nancy Joe while wearing our best pair of little brown BB shoes that only cost $29. And we can't forget the true crimes of the real housewives. Guys, they all have mugshots. That's where I'll be lending my expertise. We'll break it all down for you every other Friday, beginning February 12th, 2021. So go to criminalityshow.com and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast. Criminality, because loving reality isn't a crime.